Ladies and gentlemen, the recipient of the National Jefferson Award and the number one New York Times best-selling author, your host, Dave Pelzer. Hello, America and world at large. This is your host, Dave Pelzer. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at. Thank you so much for taking time from your schedule with all that's going on in the world to listen to the broadcast. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Again, I know how busy everybody is. Again, all that's going on in the world, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. But for you to take a few moments and take a deep breath, to be still, be calm, whether you're going to or from work or just maybe taking a nice jog or sitting down, having a nice cup of coffee, maybe an adult libation in the afternoon, in the evening after you've done good work, I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to bring some solace and hopefully some good common sense to your life. It, it means a lot to me. It truly does. So as always, before uh, we begin the show, as we say, the show, I want to take the, uh, uh, you know, a moment to ask the most important question. How are you? And when I say that, and, and I know I say it a lot, but I truly mean it, you know, take a deep breath and just be still. And the question of the day is, how are you? How are you doing? How are you getting along? Are you getting good sleep? Are you getting enough exercise? Are you accomplishing little things around the house? A few things maybe at work? Are you getting a good workout? Are you watching your diet? Are you still living life to your fullness, to your advantage? Because this, uh, I, I will say, I've noticed that a lot more people are taking the mask much more seriously. But as of this time, uh, as of this broadcast, uh, the numbers are still going up in Florida, still going up in California. So again, please, your PSA of the day, please wear your mask when you're outside. And please, maybe six feet, maybe eight feet, please social distance, whatever it takes. Because we're coming up on fall and fall is the flu season. And hopefully... You know, we can uh, get around this thing and get a good vaccine, but it's going to take a lot of time. And now I'm hearing that, like even the airlines, they're, they're talking 2024 before things go to, per se, normalcy. A lot of unemployment. A lot of people are scared. I understand. But as I say again, you know, you can't work if you're dead. You got to take care of yourself so you take care of your family. So please, and all that you do, take care of you. All right. Well, as you know, uh, this is our fifth show. We're still new to this. And again, I appreciate your patience. Uh, I, I, I'm actually broadcasting this show. For, for those who know the show, I'm a, I'm a first responder. I'm a volunteer fire captain up at Sea Ranch. And believe it or not, I'm actually broadcasting this show in a sealed engine. Apparatus known as 4471. We're on cover for fires and so forth. And we're working with our good friends, brothers and sisters at Cal Fire, for goodness sake. So I'm actually ensconced encapsulated, as you might say, in a vehicle between calls. So if you hear a beeper go off, that means i got to shut it down for a second and serve my community. We've been pretty busy, by the way, but that's another story. So what I thought I'd do for today is, I know I've told you stories about my past, and we've we got a couple of stories for you, but as you know, we uh, say if you have a question or a comment, please go to my website, Dave Pelzer, that's P-E-L-Z-E-R.com. And we might, you know, use your question and so forth. And we always protect people's privacy. We don't give out last names. 
I might actually fudge the first name to protect or give you more privacy. But we have a couple questions. And, and actually, we've, we've, they're, they're, we've had a lot of questions. But a couple of them seem to be, uh, uh, you know, on the same vein. And the first question is from a lady, uh, Sarah, who lives just outside San Diego. And it, and it kind of ties in. So let me, you know, as I always do, kind of go around the horn on this one. And it basically says, did you or do you have any happy memories with your mother? And that's the, the, the gist of it. You know, and, and some of these uh, emails I know and questions are very, very long and very emotional. And I really appreciate it. And, you know, I'm a little embarrassed because it was something that happened and not only affected myself, but, of course, my siblings. Uh, I mean, it's affected them to, to this day, I'm, 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 I'm assuming. My father was a very, very gentle person, a very gentle man. You know, he was great on the job, but, you know, and, 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 and my neighbors, my, my grandmother, my uncle, his kids. It was really a virus within a virus. But to answer the questions, if I had any happy memories with my mom, without hesitation, I have to say yes. Absolutely. And it's amazing how small moments, uh, uh, small little things that happen every single day in the course of a life that people can cherish. I remember being, I think, in the fifth grade and things were going very badly for me after my parents had separated. And of course, you know, I was wearing rags and stealing food and taunted and bullied and so forth. And one of my teachers, I think it was Miss Woodworth or Mr. Ziegler, patted me on the back, winced, of course, by smelling me, and said, you know, something effect like, good job. Good job. You did a good job. And I just soaked it up like a sponge. You know, in psychology, for every one negative, we need about 73 positives just to break even. So think about that on the next argument. Or think about that before you lash out. And I just soaked it up like a sponge. So I have you know, probably, goodness, I'm thinking, you know, I, I've had magical moments with mom, but there's two that really, really stand out, and, and they've changed the course of my life. And I'll tell you the story of one that's really important. And again, this will kind of tie into our next question that's really about all of us. But uh, my, my, my first story about my mom I want to give you on, on the positive side, and it's a very maternal loving story, and I want to go real slow so I can give you the best picture. I want to paint, I want to, I want to go Monet on this. And, and our good friend Claude Monet, a lot of people don't know this, he only did six colors. Six colors. And he mixed them in. And they're so brilliant, so bright, that you, it's like you're in the painting. So let me paint this picture for you. I am five years of age. And I already know that, that mom and I have a secret. If you listen to one of the shows we talked about at age four, how my arm was accidentally, she didn't mean to, she pulled it out of the socket. The next day she took me to the hospital after exclaiming to me that I fell out of bed, after uh, a more dramatic effect to the doctor that I fell out of bed, she tried to catch me. She can never forgive herself. Then she brings me home to my father, a firefighter, and the story's more embellished. And none of us said anything. So at age four, I knew I wanted to be out of the house. When dad was gone, I had to be gone. I actually followed my brother when he went to kindergarten. He was old enough to go to kindergarten. I was not, of course. And I tried to sneak in with him. 
course, I was, you know, taken back. But at age five, I remember it was the last day of kindergarten, and my mom gave me a note, and she was very proud, and she read it to me saying, please excuse Dave a few minutes early so the family can go on their vacation to the Russian River. We do this every year. And it was maybe 10 to 3. I got out early, and I ran up this huge Mount Everest hill. Oh, my gosh. I, I, my, my muscles ached. It was only maybe a 20-foot, 25-foot <laughs> little, little incline. But to me, it was Mount Everest. And my brothers had their windows down, and they were chanting, Go, go, go. Come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. And my mother's beaming in the passenger seat. And, and, and we had this little station wagon, and now it looks like an M1 tank. It's loaded down with all this camping gear and Coleman uh, lanterns and coolers. You know, if you ever saw Chevy Chase Vacation, that was us. And I was so excited because we're going to my favorite place in the whole world, the, the Russians of the Rivers. And I didn't know Russians lived at the Russian River. I did not know this. I mean, I thought, oh, Russians were bad and they're going to get us. It was the Russian River in this little city, uh, the sleepy, side, sleepy town city of Guerneville. And my brothers went to sleep after we crossed the Golden Gate Bridge. And we make that turn from uh, the Santa Rosa area off the Highway 101, and we cross these vineyards. And I tried to count all the rows of vine. I think uh, vines, I, I think I stopped at like 200, 212, whatever it was. And I remember going across that Guerneville Bridge. It was a, I think it's a tr single trussle bridge, a single lane. And what you had to do, you had to honk. One, two, three. And then you just slowly go boom, 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 boom across the bridge. And they still have this bridge to this day. It's a walking bridge. It's a, they were going to tear it down, but the Historic Society said we can preserve this bridge. And it's such a beautiful bridge because years later, when Stephen was very young, I, we did the same thing, went across that same bridge. I, a lot of what I do is because of my past, whether it's a podcast or being involved with child abuse or trying to help others. or just trying to be a nice person. Has Everything kind of ties in. It's a circle of life for me. And I remember unpacking, and uh, we, 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 would, we would sleep in this little mattress in this tiny little room, the three of us. And we'd get up, and we would just explode. We'd have breakfast and do our chores, you know. And we had what's called Whomper Stomper Boots, because we watched a series called Doc Tari, I think it was. It was a show about this uh, uh, per person in Africa, and he protected the animals. And he was really nice, and he got along with uh, the, the folks who lived there and all the tribes, and they taught him things. And, you know, it was a really cute story. But we thought we were Doc Tari because we had little shorts and these boots, and, and we had a fort. It was just a burnt-out tree stub, and we carved out little footings so we could get our feet in there. We would just sit on top of the stump. It was a 1,000 feet tall, of course. In real, real life, it was only like five or six. And we hid from Mom, and that was our secret fort. That was our secret for our secret garden, that no one can find us. And no matter what was going on in the world, we were totally protected. Which tells me something right there as an adult, that we knew that there was some dispersion going on between mom and dad, especially mom and grandma. But when mom was at the Russian River, again, without grandma, and again, she could do what she wanted. I mean, she cooked us meals. I remember doing hot dog roast, weenie roast, we called them. We'd have pieces of sticks. We'd riddle them down and have the campfire. She had these beautiful Chinese lanterns that lit up all the colors of the sun, told us stories, campfire stories. 
I mean, it was just, she felt so much at peace. And she was just a different person there. And when dad wasn't there, you know, he'd, he'd go down to the fire station, work a few shifts. We'd get up about 7. Everything was precise. Get up around 7, have breakfast, do your chores. And we'd help load up the, 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 the wagon weapon, as we called it. And then uh, drive down to Johnson's Beach at the Russian River. And we drove under the bridge. You have to circle under the bridge to get to the beach. And we were there precisely at 9 o'clock until precisely at 3 o'clock. Everything was precise with Mom. And we dragged these Coleman lanterns. Oh, my God, because they had sandwiches and Shasta sodas. And uh, devil, was it called devil's egg food mix with mayonnaise with wax paper. Do you remember wax paper, ladies and gentlemen? You, you packed your sandwiches with wax paper. That's how old I am. You can Google this stuff if you're under 40, for goodness sakes. And I remember with the Shasta sodas, I didn't want to get the cream sodas. They really, ooh, they made me kind of nauseous. But if we got cherry, oh, my God, we would fight over that. And Mom taught us uh, to swim at the Russian River. There was this little uh, trenched-out area for kids, and it had a little slide for the kids. And we were thought we were big kids when we got to swim out in the real river. And Mom would hold our backs as she taught us how to do the backstroke and, you know, submerge us and count to three and come up and swim. I mean, it was very, very beautiful. So at, at precisely three o'clock, we pack, we leave, we'd shower, and then we'd get dressed for dinner and maybe help mom with the dinner or weenie roast or a car- uh, uh, some, some, what it was, it, a tuna casserole or something like that, something very simple. And then we'd go outside. And sometimes, again, mom would tell us stories or we'd have a little fire But I remember this one time, this one time, mom, and mom was the type of person, again, you couldn't cross the street, you couldn't swim in the big river, we had to be supervised, she was so afraid that we'd either get into trouble or something bad would happen to us. I think she was more protective than anything, that's why I think sometimes we were rascals when she turned her back, that's why we had this secret for it. And mom was very... You know, very honorable and protective about other people's homes and other people's privacy. I remember uh, several times we'd play baseball at the house in Daly City. And if we hit it across the street and it landed in someone's grasp, guess what? It's, it's, the ball belongs to them now. We could not go across the street, walk on the grass, and retrieve the baseball. It's just the way it was. That's how mom was. So she was very protective and respectful of other people's homes and property. This one time... And it only happened once. Our neighbor across the street, who had a home physically on the river, had his own little beach, was Mr. Parker. And Mr. Parker was very, very nice. I got to meet him, oh gosh, when I was in my mid-20s, because I used to do little day vacations, go to the Russian River and visit the old house and drive by and pray and so forth. I met Mr. Parker and so forth. But this one time as a child, again, age five, we snuck Across the street on Riverside Drive, we lived at, uh, our, our auntie owned the house and, you know, rented it to my parents for that summer. We walked across the street and we actually traipsed as carefully as possible, like little bandits, across Mr. Parker's uh, uh, way, access way, down to the beach. And it was the most amazing thing. It was uh, a few minutes before sunset. And the river was still, but you can still hear that ripple, that tiny ripple effect. The, the river was glass, just a, di- a, a deep green, just just smooth as glass. And you just that slight 
ripple effect. There wasn't a bird in the air. And it, again, Monet. It was a teal blue or tangerine orange. Someone is as, as if God took a paintbrush and just went back and forth and back and forth. And I was just mesmerized. And there were some redwood trees in the back. And what happens as the sun goes down and the temperature drops as the fog rolls in, every once in a while you get this sweet smell. And it's only there for a second. It's only there for a second. It's a nanosecond. You have to capture it and hold it. I, I cannot explain it. Better than that, I don't know. I can't compare it to any other smell. But I remember my, 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 my brothers were running up and down the beach. My father was behind us having a cigarette. And I was just like enraptured. And I think for me, and, and this is important. If you want to write down a note, write this down. Be still to receive. Be still to receive. Be still in your heart. Be still in your actions. Be still in all that you do so you can receive. Remember the first time someone said, I love you? And they might have said it a dozen times. But you know, when you received it, there's listening, observing, and receiving. Be still to receive. And my brothers are running around. They're, they, they're missing this. Again, my father's having a cigarette, which he has maybe 30, 40 a day. I don't know. And I was just so enraptured. I, 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 I just, I can't describe it. That moment changed my life. It's like you're searching for it over and over again to be at that calmness. That's why we go on these vacations. That's why we kind of want to go back in time. That's why we fantasize about certain things, the good old days. And so that's why sometimes I believe when bad things kind of happen to us or against us, and when things aren't so bad, we're more appreciative. Example, uh, some folks are not going out to the bars anymore or some of these nice restaurants because they're under lockdown again. But eventually, and it will happen, eventually when we open up and, and, and we have the vaccine and we go out and have a nice dinner or meet our friends for a nice drink or two or, in my case, when I can finally see my James Bond movie in surround sound, for goodness sakes, you know we're all going to appreciate it all the more. All the more. So again, be still to receive. I'm standing outside, and it's so, so beautiful. And then I hear a crunching sound. And I thought, okay, my first thought is, what did I do wrong? I'm not making any noise. I'm not running around. I'm not getting yelled at. I'm doing something wrong. And then I felt a pair of hands touch my shoulders. And immediately I thought it was dad. Because with dad, and this is another quick story, my dad, after uh, the dinner, we'd clear the dinner table and the boys, you know, we, we'd do the, we thought it was cool to do the dinner dishes. We thought it was so growing up. We didn't know we were doing chores. And my dad, what he used to do was go outside and have a cigarette. And he'd do a lap. He'd do a lap around Riverside Drive, out to the little highway, and come back. That was his time, and it was his private time. We were always jostling, always fighting to be with Dad, because it was so rare that he was home. It's so rare to be with him. And we thought, that's just a Dad thing. Dads like to be left alone. Don't bother Dad, because Dad's busy. 
And for some stupid reason, I don't know what got into me. I don't know. If, it must have been arrogance and arrogance. I actually followed my dad outside right behind every single step. And, you know, was, to me, he's a towering man. So I thought if I followed his footsteps, he couldn't see me or hear me. And stupidly, within a matter of a few seconds, he had a cigarette, heard me, turned around, and I thought, okay, he's going to slap me. He's going to yell at me. He's going to berate me, and I'm in trouble. The fit's going to hit the shan. And I'll never forget this. He kind of gave me the quiet nod. The quiet nod. And I just followed him from behind. I don't think we held hands. We might have. And we did a lap together alone. He didn't think on me. He didn't tell mom. My brothers were a little bit jealous. I, didn't, I, I told them a few days later, where were you? Uh, I was out taking out the trash. I don't know. That was our little secret, Dad and I. You know what's amazing? Years later, ladies and gentlemen, you want to talk about luck, but I had to fight for it. I was able to purchase my first little home. It was a townhome. I called it a treehouse that was physically next door to Riverside Drive. And the one thing I, I did with Stephen... Because I, I, I was living in a dilapidated uh, little cabin with fog came in. And I was saving my nickels and quarters to buy this little, little, little townhouse. And I was so proud. I was so proud to have my first home right next to the Riverside cabin. And what I did, Steve and I took a walk from the townhomes to Riverside Drive. The exact, the exact path that my father and I did. And it's my hope and prayer that when my grandson, SJ, is old enough, that, that the three of us can do that. And that, that, that's another adventure, another story. But getting back to this, there was a pair of hands, and I thought it was my dad. And they were gentle. I thought, okay, I guess I, I knew immediately that I wasn't in trouble. Now, again, this isn't really normal behavior when a five-year-old boy... You know, oh my God, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? That was always my first thought. What am I doing wrong? I apologize, I won't do it again. And again, this is at age five. This is, this is pretty serious. And I remember looking behind me, and it wasn't Dad, it was Mom. And then again, I, I kept thinking, okay, I'm not doing anything wrong here. Hopefully I'm not in trouble. And she had that mommy look. That beautiful, serene, maternal, I love you look. And I remember, you know, both of us looking back toward the river, up toward the sky, and she brought me to her chest. And she must have been kneeling, or maybe she was on her knees, I don't know. And the one thing I remember, ladies and gentlemen, she held me so close that I can hear her heartbeat. I can hear that nice thump, 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 thump. And to me, as a five-year-old child, that meant she loved me. She loves me so much, much, she's sharing her heart. And I remember there was just a little bit of wind, just a tiny piece of wind. And I remember, I remember seeing her hair and smelling her hair. She didn't wear a lot of makeup. She wasn't a perfume girl. You know, she was a tomboy mom. She was an amazing, beautiful person. And that one moment... Just a simple hug for maybe maybe four or five seconds. That one nanu moment in a span of life changed my life. It truly did. That's when I knew I wanted to live at the Russian River. That's where I knew where I can feel safe. No matter what happened, I can always go inside, retrieve, open the box, unlock the box, open the box, 
and retrieve that memory and embrace it and smell it and immerse myself and make myself clean and make myself strong and give myself a sense of purpose. To this day, as I'm, as I'm saying it to you, it just makes me want to cry. That was an amazing moment. And I cherish that forever. Now, there's another story. I call it Daviana Jones. And I'll give you a little Easter egg hint here. I've been blessed to have, you know, memories of my son. I, I, I was going through a, some frames the other day. I think I, I stopped counting to like 200 frames of Stephen and I doing things together. Stupid little things, little adventure things, whatever. And, you know, I have a few accolades. Uh, I have that Olympic torch. You know, I, I have lots of little memorabilia pieces. But of all of them, there's this acrylic piece that has a stick. An old, simple stick. And that stick represents my mother and I. But that is another story. So with that, let's go on to question number two. Now this one is, of course, much more serious. And uh, it's about a divorce. This, uh, uh, I'm going to call the lady Rochelle, who lives nearby, North Platte, Nebraska. I'm, tr I'm trying to be very, very private. And it's, uh, again, it was another long email, but basically it says that I don't know if she's going through a divorce or about to go through a divorce and hasn't decided just yet. So I'm, I'm going to give you both, both sides of this, Rochelle. First off, I have to say this, and I'm very ashamed to state this, but I have to be honest with you folks. Um, I just recently went through a divorce. It was, at the time, horribly unexpected. There was nothing salacious about it. There was nothing bad about it. Basically, my beautiful bride and I had physically separated. Uh, uh, she lived up, I, I, we bought a home up here. And, 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 and uh, you know, I brought her up here and, and she wanted to go back south to be close to her family and then her son and so forth. And lots of, you know what it was? It was lots of teeny tiny little things. And, you know, six months became a year, became two years, three years, four years, and she was working very hard and so forth. And I have to put it on me. I was working up here. I didn't see her as much as I should have. I didn't pay, I give her the respect or the attention that she deserved. And... You know, it was just one of those things. Because in any relationship, particularly marriages, I've said this before, I'll say it again, because I know she loves me. I know she loves me, and obviously I love her to the, my last breath. But sometimes love is just not enough. And I'm looking at the barrel of 60, and I never expected this. But with that, and I want to say this to you, if you're thinking about a divorce Please, I don't wish this on anybody. I wish divorce not on my worst enemy, particularly if, if you've been together for a while, if you respect each other, particularly if you have kids. Because I'll say this, and it's going mean, to, I don't know, you may not like me to say it, but I have to tell you this, this is the truth as I see it. You're never going to be the same. A lot of people think, oh yeah, I'm going to divorce this person, I'm going to go out and party or meet other people or woohoo, let my hair down and oh my gosh, I'm going to have a whopping good time. And maybe you do for a few months, I don't know. Maybe a few years, I don't know. But it's never going to be the same, particularly if you have kids. It's, 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 it's a lot. So that's why I say take the high road. 
take the high road. If you're thinking about the idea of contemplating a divorce, immediately get good counseling. Not from your family, not from your friends, and I'm going to piss a lot of people off when I say this, not from the church. Go see a marriage counselor. See a professional. If you're sick, you see a specialist. If your car is broken, you take it to a specialist. General contractor is nice, but you want to see a good plumber if the sink isn't working. See a professional, a marriage counselor, whether for you individually and then your spouse or your partner, whoever, and then together and talk. What is really the issue? The one thing I've learned over the years, affairs are not about sex. Yes, there's sex involved. It's really about wanting to be wanted. It's about being respected, about being alive. And I've known people, the gambit, from young married couples or people who have been together for a few years to people my age and beyond. We all need and want to be respected. Guys have a fragile ego. We think girls have a fragile ego. It's really the guys. But if you can communicate, that's why I said, I think, uh, the last show, the show before that, and some kids laughed, <laughs> stop, be an adult. When I said sex, there's a lot about communication. When you quit having sex, You've just stopped at least a third, if not half, of very private, intimate communication. I've always said if you can talk about sex, you can talk about money, you can talk about religion, you can talk about cancer, you can talk about politics, you can talk about anything. In this day and age, what in the hell can we not talk about? Doesn't mean we have to agree, but at least we keep the channels open. In the 60s, we had the red phone between Washington and the Kremlin. When the fit hit the Shan with the Cuban Missile Crisis... 1973, we had that little skirmish in the Middle East. We can always pick up the phone, like the movie Failsafe, say, Kremlin, President, this is a problem. We need to solve it right now before we go too far. Because with divorce, it, it, it gets about ego, and it's about hurting feelings. To me, you know, and, and when, 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 it, when it comes to something like a divorce, you know, we've talked about this. Those five states of emotions. There's going to be denial. I couldn't believe it when, when, when my, my, my beautiful former wife said, we're getting a divorce. I was in shock. I was in shock and absolute denial. Then I got angry because going, whoa, I'm doing this, 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 and this, and this, this, and this, waiting for you to come back and doing this, this, and this. And then, you know, I tried to bargain with myself. And all these things, whether it's the anger and denial and the bargaining, or depression and acceptance, you know, you can go through two before you get to five. You can go to one and you go to three. You go through all these little steps, and sometimes it's all at once. But it is a process. Whether it's divorce, or you lost your job, or you found out you have a serious medical issue, or something that traumatic that's going on in your life. I mean, these are the five steps, and it happens. And it's amazing. You can be a professional. You can be a multimillionaire. You can be the best parent in the world. You might be the best pilot, the best doctor, the best nurse, or a master therapist. But when it happens to you, it happens to you. So I recommend, again, that counseling and get to the crux of it. If there's something you want to say, say it. Well, he leaves the toilet seat up, or he spends too much money, or she does this, or she doesn't do that. Say it. What's the worst that can happen? But imagine if you didn't say something. I'm going to be riddled with guilt, and I deserve to. 
I didn't really, as much as I have fought for God, king, and country, as much as I've done for others, as much as I crawled out of that hole as a child and, and, and then in foster care, and as much as I fought to have a fair job in the Air Force, or, or, or my God, the publishing field, oh my goodness, it looks so easy. And going to war zones or becoming a firefighter after the age of 50, as much as I've fought, I should have fought harder for the sanctity of my marriage. And that's just me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't mind taking the hit on this one. I'm saying if there's a chance, you fight for it. All right, it's dirty. And it's disgusting. It's like cleaning the toilet or the sewer backed up. Big deal. You can always take a shower. You can always make it work out. You can just take a deep breath right now. And just write this word down on a piece of paper. And circle it over and over and over again. Why? Why? Another sentence. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do with, you know, with, with your partner, with your marriage? It, you know, I have to say this. It does make me a little upset when people who are together, and especially if they have children, and, or maybe even if they don't have children, and, you know, and, and, and you can see them over the time, you know, going through ups and downs, whether it's a virus or unemployment or 9-11 or a medical scare or a job change or just something. And they work through it. And then it doesn't work out. And how one person or maybe both people say, oh, this person, this, this person, that, blah, 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 blah. And it's just, you know, that's just cancerous. That's dark. And you have to ask the question again, why, 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 why? What's going on? So all I'm trying to say is, if you can get counseling for yourself and or you together, you know, as a couple, maybe you can resolve it. And it will take time to repair it. If there was something bad that happened, they say most divorces are not over an affair, but over finances. And it's amazing. Some people will talk naughty in their bedroom or they'll talk, they'll be passionate about politics or passionate about something. But a lot of people, and maybe including myself, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've always tried to take care of things. We've never had the financial talk, in a sense. But it's amazing, after things happen, you have a talk to go, wow, it's like talking to your kids about sex or about drugs or about dangerous stranger. Yeah, for the first five seconds, it's kind of weird and embarrassing. But what, what, all right, once you get through that hump, you ever notice that you're closer? You always get closer after something happens, after something bad kind of happens. So I'm saying, if you can get couple counseling, Please do that. So going back to our friend Rochelle, she was basically asking, what can I expect? You know, what can I expect on this journey, this new pathway? Well, lots of things. Uh, again, the anger. The anger you're going to have against your spouse, which is normal. And to be honest, the anger against yourself. Like, why did I why did I do this with this person or I did this so much for this person? I should have seen this earlier. Why did I not do this earlier? Why am I doing it now? There's a lot of anger. And what happens, this is going to screw up your whole system. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to sleep more. You're going to lose lots of weight. You're going to gain lots of weight. Uh, you're going to drink more. You're going to drink less. 
you know, it's it's a lot of changes. And it's kind of weird, too, because some people put up a mask and they put up barriers. And maybe that's their safety thing, you know, and maybe it works for a while. But, after, again, after so much time and torment and life, those walls do crumble. And the longer you have those barriers, those walls, the more it's going to hurt you and those around you when they finally tumble. And they will tumble. I've read reports about veterans from World War II who finally accepted the fact in their late 50s or 60s, even 70s, that they, you know, were involved in a massive world war and their friends died. And, you know, their, 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 the people they fought against died under their hands, under their watches. Watch. And that's a horrible thing to see someone die. Whether you kill them or someone killed them. That's a horrible thing. But their walls were up for so long. And how it hurts. So again, there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of things involved. Again, that anger, the denial. I mean, I still can't believe. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm ashamed. I still can't believe I'm divorced. I just, I just can't believe it. I just cannot believe it. I mean, I've accepted it. I just can't believe, okay, pushing 60, and we're both really nice people, and we serve our community, that this has happened. So there's that involved. And then there's a lot of bargaining involved. Like, okay, okay, okay. I won't gamble. I won't spend the money. I won't see other women. I won't see other men. Da-da-da, da-da-da. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, that might be a fix. You know, it's almost like when, as, as a first responder, when someone falls, we take care of their injuries. But the real question is, what made you fall? What made you fall? Does that make sense, ladies and gentlemen? Like, why did you have the fare? What are you looking for? Why are you spending so much money? Why are you doing this thing? What is going, let's get to it. It's almost like when I work with people uh, who are new to program. Yes, they know they have to stop drinking. But why are they drinking so much that affects everything about them? See, that's the real issue. So it's not like, okay, I won't gamble anymore. I'm not going to see other men. I'm not seeing other women. No, why do you feel you have to do this? What is the core issue? And when people bargain, particularly without going to counseling and getting to the root of the problem, you know, it might work. Chances are probably not. But what is make? What is driving you to that, for goodness sakes? And some people might, uh, you know, there'll be a honeymoon effect. You know, I'm not going to beat you up for a while. I'm not going to berate you, blah, blah, blah. And that might work for maybe three months or so, the honeymoon period, maybe six months. But you ever notice we all revert, revert back to who we are? It's kind of like dating. When you're dating, again, the first four to six months is very physical, and that's normal. And with that first four to six months, we're all on our best behavior. <laughs> now, I really pride myself in manners, but I know sometimes I, 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 without knowing it, I, I'm, I'm not a slob in any way. But sometimes, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not the gentleman that I should be because, you know, she's used to me. I'm used to her. So I might say or do things that are probably not the most eloquent of things. And that's normal behavior because you can't really control everything all the time. So you might bargain and get away with this for maybe three, six months. I don't know. Maybe a year. I don't know. But sooner or later, you're going to revert back to those old issues unless you get to the core of the problem. And then, of course, you know, there's that depression after the bargaining. You know, you sleep less, you sleep more. 
And that's why I say, and here's a piece of advice. If you're, whether you're sheltering in place with the virus right now, or you're going through a traumatic event, a health issue, or a divorce, or something like this, ladies and gentlemen, I've said this before, I'll say it again. It's so important that you work a program. You work a program every day. Now, uh, do, it, do it five days a week. Take a couple of days off to reward yourself. That's normal. But get up at a certain time. Put your house in order. Please don't be a slob. Put your house in order because psychologically, that tells you that you have to be in order. If you can, exercise. Get a good workout in there. Eat healthy. Do a good day's work. Whether it's working around the house, working from the home, do whatever, and then reward yourself. Three to five times a day, have a cup of coffee for you. Play some music for you. Do a puzzle for you. Do something for you. Make yourself a nice meal. Do something for you three to five times a day to reward yourself. And then maybe take a day off here. You know, I do landscaping. I try to play piano. Me being a first responder is a lot of work for me. It's physical. It's mental. Everything's about safety, safety, safety. We're not cowboys. We're very, very responsible individuals. And working with Cal Fire, such a professional crew. God bless them. God bless all, by the way, before I forget my manners, God bless all our first responders, including our, our doctors and our nurses and our janitors. People before this virus broke out, yeah, they're doing their job. Our police officers, yes, our police officers, our teachers, everybody in America doing something for other people, God bless you. But for me to be a first responder takes me out of my hole. Sometimes I go home to a quiet, lifeless house. It's beautiful and it's nice, but you know what? My worst day is coming home after a bad call. So think about that so you don't wallow in that self-pity, ladies and gentlemen. Work your program, and when you get depressed and down and out, just take a deep breath. Please, please take a deep breath. And I'll say this. It's going to sound weird. On your worst day, at the lowest part of this, remember, it's only a divorce. I'll say it again. And this is kind of a slap. It's a snap out of it. Remember Moonstruck with Cher and Nicolas Cage. I love you. I love you. I love you. No, you don't. I love you. Snap out of it. And she slapped him. And he goes, you're right. No, I don't. At the lowest point of this situation, remember, it's only a divorce. Because that will allow you to put things in perspective that put you on the pathway for acceptance. To accept that you are divorced. And for some couples, I have a dear friend of mine. I love him as a brother. God bless him. And him and his wife, they had kids and they divorced. It was a little rough there for a while. And now, years later, time and tide, they're the dearest of friends. In part because they had kids, but in part because they just worked it out. Carol Burnett, uh, the most amazing, uh, one of our most amazing female comics, she says, I love my husband. I love him so much I divorced him. Now we're really in love. Because she, she's just one of those people, I guess she has to have her space. And I know some couples that are like that. I don't know. That's why I'm saying, and this is important, don't fall down that trap of anger or revenge. Please don't do that. 
and it's normal. The, when you get ginned up, maybe yell at the toilet and then flush the toilet. Maybe yell at the sink and wash your hands. You see what I'm saying? I'm talking about cleansing here. I'm talking about flushing bad things away and cleansing yourself. Please, and especially when you go out, uh, you know, don't tell your friends about private things about the marriage. Don't, I mean, if you find yourself talking like three bad things in, in five minutes, you need to just back off. Please take the high road. If you don't take the high road now, you're setting yourself up for failure in, in the next relationship. And you know what? Especially at my age, there's two things I have right now at my age. My name. My name and time. That's all I have. Hopefully, over the course of my life, I've done good things. I'm proud to say I've served my country. I'm still serving my community. I've raised a beautiful son. He's going to raise a beautiful boy himself. Hopefully, I have a good name. Time. I don't have time. I don't have a lot of summers left. I really, really don't. So I don't have time to be vengeful, to have anger that's going to affect my sleep, my eating, anything that's important to me. I cannot focus on trying to help people out if I've got this lead vest of toxic, toxic memories, toxic feelings. I just don't have the time for that. I don't have the energy for that. There's certain things I won't do. There's certain things I, 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 I will not say. I just, it's not worth my time. So try to be above it if you can. Try to be above that if you can. And that's why, again, counseling. That's why I say, again, work your program. Be your own person. Start being your own person. Be true to thyself. And another piece of advice. I know we all know this. The only reason why I'm saying it because I've stupidly done this more than once. No texting, no phone calls after 6 p.m., period. That's it. I don't care what time zone. I don't care whatever's going on. Don't do that. It might be cute, and I love you, and I miss you, but after a few dozen martinis or whatever the number is, you know, you might turn to the dark side, and you don't want to do that. And you don't want to, did I say something? Did I call you last? Did I say, don't. So have boundaries. The boundaries are to protect you and to protect that other person. And again, just try to be civil. If you, if you have a support system with family and friends and church and people at the work, workplace, please do that. Use those systems. Use those support groups. I mean, that's basically what they are. And again, your, if your friends are good, you know, tell them, hey, if I say bad things about John after like three sentences, let's just talk about something else okay be protective of your feelings for goodness sakes and here's another piece of advice when you're coming around to the acceptance and this is going to sound odd start dating start dating yourself this sounds so stupid but just hear me out I, i've done this a thousand times well not a thousand times a few hundred i'm sure uh and I'll plan it. I'll plan it that I have the whole day to myself. I'll get up, change the sheets, dust, oil the house, wash, vacuum, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Work out. Got to work out. Go to the grocery store. Get all my food because I'm a foodaholic. I'm a foodie. Love the food. No one loves food more than me. And, and then I'll, I, I might take a nap. I'll get up in the shower and shave and I'll wear nice clothes. I'll start prepping for dinner. 
maybe at 2, 3 o'clock, and I'll have music on in the background, an old black and white movie. Can't do Casablanca for obvious reasons, too emotional. Citizen Kane, yeah, but not a stupid action film, but something that really resonates. And I'll cook, and I clean as I go as I cook, because I hate cleaning the dishes. I'll have a nice dinner, put my leftovers aside, refrigerate them, have a nice glass of wine, go outside, pray, sometimes cry, go to bed. And, uh, you know, I know how it's going to turn out. There's no walk of shame. There's no I'll call you tomorrow. There's no interview process. None of this blah, blah, blah. Date yourself. Get a good night's sleep. Do that. Do little things for you that make you happy. What was that movie? You make me happy. Tropic Thunder. For goodness sakes. The one thing I did too, this goes back to like talking bad about your spouse. This is a good story. I just remember this. There's when Stephen's mother and I divorced. It was really hard. You know, harder on Stephen than anybody. He was the happiest child on this planet. But we that divorce uh, was hard, but it had to happen for a lot of reasons. And I'm not going to get into that because I love Stephen's mom. And we're very good friends to this day, finally. We're very, very good friends because the grandkids especially. We've been friends for a long time, God bless. The smartest thing I did, and I really want you to take this to heart, especially if you have kids. If you don't, this still resonates. The smartest thing I did with Stephen, I never said a bad word about his mother. None. None. We drive home from the Russian River, uh, uh, about three hours away, and, and Stephen would say, you know, mom says this, and my uncles and aunts say this, 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 and this, da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. And, and I'd say nicely, well, you know, I don't know about this, I don't know about that, but what do you say, Dad? What do you say? Now, your mom's a great lady. I love your mom. I'll always love your mom, and you should respect your mom. And, 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 and Stephen's mother, you know, was... I don't want to, the only word I can say is kind of hickish. You know, the, the family was kind of hickish at best. Like, how come you have a job and I don't? How come you fly for the Air Force of the United States and I'm not flying for them, man? Like, okay, well, I don't know. Okay, you know, you got to maybe try or do something. You know, I have to try to get a job or something. And it was amazing during the divorce that some of her friends, you know, they, they, they didn't like me all of a sudden. They heard bad rumors about me. I'm going, no, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. But then, unfortunately, when the book came out, now they're my friends. Hmm. That's something right there. So don't be overly sensitive if some of your spouse's friends, when you divorce, no longer your friends. Maybe they weren't your friends in the first place. So that should not be overly unexpected. But don't let it get to you. Again, just be true to thyself. But I will say this one thing, though. It really did hurt my feelings when uh, Stephen's mom, or Stephen's grandmother on, on his mother's side, when she was remarrying, and she remarried very quickly, when she came out to me, the mother, the, uh, Stephen's mother, Stephen's grandmother on her mother's side, came out to me and just hands on her hips and yelled in front of everybody, she couldn't get away from you fast enough. And I really wanted to hurl at her. I wanted to cry and scream and announce to the world, I'm a good person. I'm a real good person. I work very hard. I get two hours of sleep and I'm on the road. I'm helping other people with their problems. And I'm trying to be the best father I can. I land in San Francisco airport, drive to the Russian River, do the load of laundry, drive three hours one way, and then take my son back through the traffic four hours. And then on Sunday, I drive him back, drive back to my little shanty of a cabin, pack and go. 
and I try to be a good dad. I'm not a bad person. I wanted everybody to feel it and know it. And again, I did the smartest thing. The smartest thing I did is I just took the hit and didn't say a word. This is so important. No matter the crisis, whether you're going through a medical situation or you're sheltering in place or there's a financial situation or God forbid you're going through a divorce or God forbid you're dealing with something that happened in your past that wasn't your fault. Just stay true to thyself. Know in your heart what is true. That's it. Walk your own path. Walk your own path. I know she thinks of me and I know she's very, very proud of me. And this lady, God bless her, she helps a lot of people out. She's a master therapist. How cool is that? We're just on a different pathway. And one of these days, we might, we might see each other. And it's, it's kind of a romantic feeling. What was that movie, Casablanca? He had to give her up for the better, better good. And maybe in some weird sense, we did that. You know, time and time, things kind of changed as we grew apart, as we lived in separate places. But remember this, Rochelle, and I'm talking to you. You are unique. How you describe the letter and how your feelings and so forth, you are unique. And you're going to be fine. You're young. You're 48. You're not alone. And when you hit that low point, and this is for you, ladies and gentlemen, this is for all of us, America and world at large, this is for you. When you hit that low point, take a deep breath and flush away all that anxiety. Go to that sink and wash the crap out from under your fingernails. Wash your face psychologically, physically. Wash away all anxiety. And this is important. Before you get all spooled up, before you want to like vomit all this blackness, this, this, this toxic blackness, this psychological blackness, take a deep breath and remember those good times. Where were you at when you fell in love? Where were you at when your babies took your first steps? Where were you at when things were like financially good for you? Remember those good times. Cherish them. Look at those photos. Keep some of those photos. I remember, ladies and gentlemen, I think the lowest parts, lowest points of my life. I was in the basement. I was shaking. And then I got scared when I was not shaking anymore because that's when it gets bad. I would be so hungry. I would steal water and try to just capture as much as I could to my stomach almost explode. And it wasn't the physical pain. It was always the psychological pain that I wasn't good enough. That I wasn't good enough to be part of the family. That my brothers looked right through me like I was invisible. How my father would say over and over and over. One of these days, I'm going to, you wait, one of these days, I'm going to fix this. And my mother, one time she whispered in my ear, of all things, I wish for you to die. And I just remember just losing it. And afterwards, I always went down to the basement. I cried on the inside, I cried on the outside. The one thing that helped me through all of this was a thread. It was a thread of leaning back, 
feeling that she loved me so much, I can feel her heart pounding with love and purity. Smelling her hair. Her thin, thin, shoulder-length hair. And sometimes for me that was a thread. A simple thread. But if you have enough threads and you combine them together, you can make those threads of memories, those loving memories into a rope. And that rope can pull you out of the well of life's despair. Think about that. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to our show. As always, we thank our good friend Pat Matheny for the music he provides for you, and hopefully you really enjoy it. And again, if you have any questions or comments, go to our website, davepelzer.com. That's P-E-L-Z-E-R.com. So thank you again for giving us a listen. And remember, in the course of a life, one never knows what events may transpire. So please keep the faith, particularly if things are not going so well for you right now. Please take that deep breath and remember, have faith in yourself because you never know what the tide's going to bring in the next day. And as always, you do as much as you can for as long as you can, for as many as you can. So thank you, folks. This is your host, Dave Pelzer, speaking to you in my own voice. Saving America and the world at large from itself, starting with me. So, until next time, take good care, good day, good luck, and as always, God bless.